Greetings, this is Larry D. Giles. It's February 16th, 2021. I'm going to attempt to record a chapter or re-record a chapter from The Boy Beside the Woods. A chapter that is both um, slapstick, humorous, and also trying to get at some serious issues of my childhood relationship with my stepmother. Um, in my work, I often try to show some of the, um, I try to memorialize some of the, the old culture of the community in which I grew up during the 50s and the 60s. And a large part of that uh, came through my stepmother in this case, in the case of this chapter, um, she got it from her grandmother. The stories of um, witches and tokens and rabbits' feet and bones and dolls and all of this culture, I think, that may have dated all the way back to Africa. And so um, I'm reaching for... Um, the broader context of the African-American experience, because I think what was happening in what the stepmother was passing to me was also something that many other mothers and stepmothers were passing to their youth. So that's what this piece is all about. And, you know, since I'm talking about my stepmother, I will clear this up. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my stepmother was very young, I guess uh, in her early 20s. So um, we kind of had a rocky start. Largely, um, I won't say whose fault it was at this moment, but my sister and I had just left my mother. And obviously, I guess in some ways we didn't want to do that. So we were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, as they say. But since that time, I grew to love my stepmother very much. In fact, I would say she is one of the most colorful, most expressive black women that I ever knew, even more so than my mother, who was very charming in her ways as well. So, um... This piece I dedicate to my stepmother. Not that everything I say about her is um, is um, complimentary, but because in my own way, I love her as I do all the characters I write about. So that's what this piece is about. And it's... Um, Rather complicated because I'm pulling together a lot of different ideas from over, uh, I guess, 15 to 18 years in my life with the goal of making them interesting to the reader. And you know, when you do that, you're writing a, a story. Um, one of the things that keeps a story moving is conflict. So you have to have conflict. 
So I have to pick and choose which conflicts I want to share with my reader. Uh, not to say that those conflicts weren't later resolved, but um, in the work I'm producing, it's not time for me to say if they were resolved or not. Okay? So, the superstition dedicated to my stepmother. One of the first things I may have been aware of as a child was that people and places can be a little strange. They may have strange faces. They may live in strange little houses along strange roads. And they may even have strange beliefs and customs. And then strange as that seems, the idea also may be a stranger coming and going randomly in a dark room in the sunlight with the witchy mule at the well. Sometimes not at all. My thoughts were empty apparitions, full of the strange world superstitions. I did not know all the faces. I knew some of them. In this respect, my father's second wife was at times a kind of curiosity. Not only did she suddenly appear in my life along a long dark gate between two or three fields, in daylight before the mimosas scrambling to see her tangled hair, she often kept her head in the strangest wraps. Sometimes, some days, it was a rumpled bag of curls, Another day, a kind of snarl her sisters and brothers may have thought was funny. But uh, even though she was, as they say, as Mary, pretty soon after I met her, I'm not sure, I'm not sure she liked children. I was sure, however, she was superstitious. My grandparents, whom I was rather sure did love children, had an opinion of her that may have been somewhat twisty. The first marriage to the young new mother, they also liked and loved mostly because my father chose her, had been such a failure. I doubt they welcomed a hurried second from another extremity in the same family. Watch out for them tailors, someone may have said. A ring you after ought to be going way down in there? My grandmother may have had a sideways manner of hinting to her angelic favorite, but this my father likely quickly ignored. Home only a few years from the remote lowlands of Wanju, Korea, and loving at the time mostly cars, he plunged out the gate like headlights looking for the dark. Through the dark and far down the long gate past the old-timey juju woman we went with him, with his fedora tipped a little scary, my sister and I bobbing, bobbing up and down like dice on a cardboard box when the snake eyes are poppy and runny. The youngest brother who lived there, I would say a clean saint, would be bathing in a long tub beside the clapboard house that looked uncannily like my mother's. 
the other many siblings, all older teens or older, going here and there through the maze of fishy rooms. My sister and I looked, stood mesmerized and swallowed. I think my father may have at first gone to see the older brother with whom he was friends, but the friend's old man may have been a pushy talker and the house kept easing, easing out surprises like old tackle boxes with rusty hooks. Halfford, you got the quietest kids. Them children is so quiet and pretty as can be. The oldest sister smiled and gave out the good fortune, removing the headscarf tied tight as a bridle around her head. Suddenly, the oldest sister, in her best patent leather shoes, was courting my father, and more than a few times she happened to be at the grandmother's house closer to the road, I guess, so they could sneak away. Where the porch light stayed on at least till midnight came hovering. There, where around six my stepmother cackled about her tobacco-chewing grandmother, that's where we learned of ghosts and goblins and spells that had befallen our little village back through the years, I guess centuries. The juju woman or her mother, the high priestess, had been a slave, which bemoaned all their whinings. Dead man been down there on that swamp, she said, spitting in a coffee can by the skinny leg of the table with twenty scalding hot dollars from my great-grandfather's sawmill. A youth or two would pass through with their dicey eyes and ask her or her mama, whom she may have had in her man pocket, to spit on them, to spit on the dice. Send them their children out on the porch. Life's still on out there. Ain't nothing to be worried about, the juju woman objected fiercely to the asking but then quickly rolled the dice in the tobacco spit straight from her mouth. <laughs> Close that door. We stayed and halfway gawked, though nothing excited my sister. She had her thumb to bite on. <laughs> Another boy not more than 20 would get the juju woman to come over under the alcove of the stairs. Uh, he could barely talk. Which done and put this this here thing on me. Um, how? He whispered. And the old woman with her head in a rag would escort him by way of her long snake stick to the back room where we couldn't see. We definitely tried to look. A large portrait of an old, old man with a beard. A foot long, I guess. Could barely look out. And the other old man, who was my real mama's uncle, stayed mostly upstairs in his room, maybe scared to come back out. My stepmother, calling herself kind, I guess, offered us a piece of her grandmother's black moon molasses pie. But I'm not sure she wanted us to have any, because the witch spell had maybe also bewitched her. Tain't much, children. Here, take it, she added. On the dirt road, in the house on the hill, 
we ate rather slowly more of the pie, which had through some hocus-pocus turned suddenly into a pudding and saw fish caught on the full moon, maybe before we were even born. Them fish has got to stay in there for three more whole weeks, I tell you, after till he gets the whammy on her, if she felt like cooking. Stay from that wind, children, she jumped, because when the curtain... Because when the curtain fall back like that, my grandmama house say something bad going to happen to y'all. <laughs> something had already happened. My sister chewed down on her thumb. Putting it in again, she may have thought our mother was already gone. And with new children that were not us. And our home on the dirt road was no longer home. In a year or less, my new mother, my father, my sister, and I would live across the field from my mother and her new husband, who was also a little strange. Even at the new home with our stepmother in the light of day, or late evening, the silkwood with its creepy limbs and nervous flowers seemed at times to disapprove of softballs, happy boys and girls. At other times, despite everything that could possibly happen to foreshadow the midnights to come, sometimes the stepmother came out to watch us play ball with the boys across the field. Emma Roof's boys, whose mother also believed in black cat bones and tokens. In fact, there was a graveyard right in her backyard or somewhere around there. Even pregnant. The neighbor's childhood friend, my stepmother, was very social, very girlish, and wanted to know everything, including who ran best, who was the cutest, whose child was that, and which month was he born in? Was that a pretty name like the one she planned for her baby? Was the child down yonder dumb-witted like old man Johnson's boy? <laughs> well, one summer after ball, hopscotch, the baby was born. Turned out to be the strangest and most, maybe most superstitious. Sitting by the curtains where she said she had seen a token. She told our daddy, my sister, and I were the most unruly kids she had ever seen. Unruly, I thought, but dare not say it. My sister and I, unruly, scared of ghosts and scared of tokens, scared of her grandmama, scared of her, scared of my daddy, scared of my mother's new husband. How could children afraid to talk be unruly? <laughs> well, holy moly, don't you know, even stranger than that, what she said, my father actually believed her. In fact, maybe starry-eyed through some love, sick old potion, he may have suddenly just had a vision. He comes out the dark, smoky kitchen with the meanest, most crooked stick with the head and arms of a switch. But thank God 
He never used it. Thank you. I like this piece a lot. I'm so glad I wrote it.